Hello, thank you for joining me on this episode of You Had Options. Um, uh, Jason V of the Jasons joins us. Man, it was so fun. Great time talking to him. Um, go check out the Jasons. Just look up the Jasons on the on the internet. You know, they're on the Instagram. They're on the Facebooks. All their stuff is on all the uh, the. Uh, the Spotify's and the, the iTunes, Apple Music, all that stuff. You know, thank you guys for supporting the podcast. Um, make sure to go like, subscribe, all that stuff. Um, at you had options. Uh, I'm doing a Twitch now, which uh, is fun, and uh, y- you gotta go and follow it. You know, it's twitch.tv slash you had options. It's me playing video games and talking. I just interact with people, you know. But yeah, uh, thank you so much. Craft services. I'm craft services. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting together a uh, a handful of uh, blue diamond almonds for myself to enjoy. Uh, yes. So, Jason B, thank you for joining me. No, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Uh, uh, one thing I like about you, well, there's multiple things. I'll list. Um, I'm sure I'll list them out throughout the episode. But one thing I like about you is you are constantly um, producing content. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, even before the uh, pandemic went down, I think that was the kind what? of our idea. You know, this whole uh, this whole bullshit that we're dealing with. You may not have left your house. I don't know. There's this pandemic happening outside yeah. of the room there. And, uh, you know... Uh, we were all about that even before then because uh, I think people have a much shorter attention span true. than they did before the internet was a thing. Right. I certainly do. Yeah. Uh, but you've been doing uh, you've been doing your own interviews. Uh, you guys have been. Um, did you? How many? Did you guys do a live stream? I, I remember you guys did a live stream like the first whenever the pandemic first popped off you guys were like on your way to do shows and then yeah yeah we had uh we we had a show booked in uh baltimore that day we got um we are about five hours i think from baltimore so we got about three hours towards our show and uh we got word that it was canceled and so um our guitar player jason uh jason r he's uh like pretty technically proficient, you know, yeah. he's good with cameras and stuff. So we came back that day. So like the day they shut down the state, we came back that day and did a live stream and we had like a virtual merch table and like, you know, just kind of, it was like fucking something to do. We were ready to play anyway. And uh, that's the last time we did it though. We didn't, I, I, for me, it's not the same. Right. Ever, for sure. You know, uh, especially for what we do, it's kind of weird. So uh, we did that one, and it was cool. And we we made a lot. We probably made more money on on like our virtual merch table than we do at most shows. And we 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 do good on merch. That's our strong suit, you know. But right. like, I think people wanted to like, you know, commemorate the. We sold like physical tickets. You know, you, oh, right. you buy a ticket to the virtual show, it's free, but you can pay, and we'll send you the ticket in the mail. And uh, it was cool, but I think that one experience, we were like, yeah, we're good on that. Now, we did it early enough that we can say everybody else ripped us off, and that's what it's really about, you know. Right. Yeah, you guys were, were the first. Literally, you were the bleeding edge. 
Exactly. Never, never mind the fact that uh, I think uh, Code Orange uh, did one like the day before. But you know, who are they? Who the fuck is Code Orange? Code who? You know. Right. Uh, yeah, but um, one thing I've all another thing I've always liked about y'all. There's I, so many. I'm listing them off right now. Number two, uh, the merch. You guys, uh, we we've the handsome scoundrels have ripped you guys off on some stuff some merch items. And so you guys have definitely influenced us in that way. Um, I mean, I, I hope so. And just, it's the circle of uh, merchandising Ouroboros. Like, <laughs> you know, whenever, let me, I'm going to bend over here. Don't look down my shirt. Um, let me see. If How I can, can I not? It. Like when it, oh, I picked up one that's not a great example, but when it's time to like figure out what to do for merch, you just you go to the fucking well Woo! of Gene and Paul Stanley, Ace Frehley, and well, Peter Chris is worthless, but you know what I'm saying. It's true, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I always felt like if somebody walks into a show and there's a band over here with one T-shirt and a shitty burned CD, people think, well, that band's not worth, you know, well, what? They don't even care about their band enough to put their shit on a real record. Right. And um, so from the beginning, even when we didn't have any money, even when nobody cared about our merch, we presented our merch that looks like we were somebody. And uh, I mean, it's all about perception. You know, you walk into the show and it's you true. see 15 T-shirt designs. Well, fuck, these guys must be uh, worth checking out. Big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So what uh, what? Merch did I know? Did you guys do the big league chew? Ah, that, we did. That? Yeah, that's the best piece of merch. I swear to God. That's yeah, the best uh, piece of merch. yeah. I so, remember that. That was cool. Yeah, so we played a co- uh, we played with y'all up in Rochester, and um, we played with y'all. But that was the show where I was like, "Oh, you guys got big league chew." I'm yeah. like, "Okay." Yeah. I think I was like, "How'd you guys do that?" And you told me the secret. I'm not gonna put it out on the air. But, yeah, uh, great secrets. <laughs> big, great big secret. And I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna steal that from you. Yeah. yeah. Yo, and I, if I remember correctly, not that I'm saying this was stolen from me, but I hope uh, I feel a kinship with because did not one of your guitar players also purchase a Kramer guitar after we played together? Yes. And checked it out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That rock. makes me more more happy because I feel like more people need to play metal guitars and punk rock. Yeah, I think uh, Robert, the guitarist, he, uh, I, I think he, you know, he just felt like he, it was confirmation seeing you guys with Kramers, being like, okay, I'm just gonna do it. You know, <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna get a Beretta, and we're just gonna go with it. And you know, he chose correctly because I've tried. Um, for me, I started with the Crema Beretta. I couldn't find the one I wanted. I wanted a yellow, like banana yellow Crema Beretta. Right. I found one in Canada. I drove to Canada to get it because they wouldn't ship it. And I got that guitar. I was super happy with it. I bought, since then, I've bought four more. And then recently I said, you know what? I'm going to try a different Kramer model. I did. And I like the other models, but the Beretta for me is going to always be the Apex Predator. So... Where in Canada did you drive? Um, so I drove to Oshawa, and um, I forget the. I want to say I think the store is like Laughlin and Wade or some shit. It sounds like, it sounds like a lawyer's office, but uh, <laughs> I drove all the way down there because that's the only place I could find this. And I don't, I don't have. It's not behind me. It's in my case somewhere, but. Um, it was like a yellow, you know, banana yellow Kramer Beretta right. with the banana headstock. And it was just like, at that point I was searching to find a guitar. Like I was kind of, I was playing Jackson's. I was, you know, just fucking around with all different ones. And when I played that one, I was like, that's the fucking one right there. Right. Yeah. But, and you guys have been able to, um, finagle's the wrong word, but you've been <laughs> able to open the eyes of, of Kramer up to you guys. Yeah, you know what? Um, finagle's pretty much a good word, honestly. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't want to say it. We did, uh, the way it happened, uh, again, it goes back to that image thing. Like, I, uh, Jason 3D and I came up with the idea of the, doing a Jason's, like, printed fan club newsletter. You know, I had the right. fucking poster hanging back there on my wall. Uh, like a ripoff of the Kiss Army. 
Right. And uh, to do that, we made these folders and uh, like newsletters. So when when I was trying to get in touch with Kramer, I didn't go through their artist relations or any of that stuff. I found out the name of the dude that ran it. Shout out to Al John Go. And uh, I sent them a fake, um, like a promo kit that would be like what the Jasons would release if they were Kramer artists from the 1970s and i sent it to him and it had like glossy uh i probably got some of them yeah here i'm in my office i keep all so like photos like this you know oh, we shit. Shot, shot some photos <laughs> with the tiger yeah uh, it was just like you know it was that and it was like yo this is what we'll do for you we'll be evangelist of your brand and uh then i didn't hear anything so i found the dude's fucking email or i found his facebook i stalked him and when i messaged him he was like he was like yo as a matter of fact we just got that and we were passing it around the office and talking about how it's the best promo we ever saw i mean we just stole it from kiss right but it was like we because originally kramer when when we decided we were all going to play kramer's right there was a lull between like 2016 and like 2019 where Kramer seemed like it was dead. So we thought, yo, this will be really funny. We'll pretend we're endorsed by, by a vintage guitar that- company. Yeah. Yeah. But now, then they came back and we were like, well, we got to fucking do it. So yeah. And uh, I, as a matter of fact, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think I, I haven't signed anything. So I guess I can say whatever the fuck I want, but um, we actually, uh, just like today, uh, found out cause it's very complicated when they were bringing their brand back, right. they were like, yo, you know, you, you're, you're going to be part of our, the Kramer family and you can get, you know, we'll get you a, uh, an artist discount. discount. Yeah. But that was happening as it was being resurrected. And they were like, look, man, all our fucking instruments are going out to stores first and foremost. And all these years, like this year and a half later, whatever, Finally, today, Jason Hollywood was like, yo, I was talking to our Kramer guy and they're going to work out. They're going to get me this guitar and blah, blah, blah. Whereas like I was like, yo, I'm not he's a little bit more uh, patient. I was like, no, man, I want this fucking Night Swan. I'm just going to fucking buy it because I'm going to play it no matter what. Right. But uh, so finally, like that has even come to fruition where like I guess we're getting our like artist discount or whatever. But for us, it was always. We're gonna play Kramer because we want to. Any like if if we had, if Kramer's part of Gibson, if they had right. been like, "Yo, we'll give you a Gibson endorsement," we would have been like, "No, man, because we don't want to play fucking Les Pauls. They're not you about play, that." You want to play a, a forty-pound Les Paul? It's too fucking heavy. Right. Yeah, and there's no fucking way I'm gonna play one of those. Uh, oh no, that's a Fender Telecaster. Those I can't. Those are too dorky, man. I can't play those. No, no, no. The uh, so. With the Kramer stuff, um, I would I've I've been looking around for a Kramer bass just because you guys are big Kramer people, and I was like just looking on Reverb. The last time they made a Kramer bass was like the '80s, right? Um, so I think in the current Kramer line, they have a bass. I know for sure because uh, you know 3D plays right. those vintage Kramers with the aluminum necks. Yeah. And- that's from a whole different time, you know, with Kramer being brand new, they're not going to bring those back probably for a little a while, if ever. But um, the Kramer base that they have is cool, but it doesn't fit what we're doing. So he's still waiting too. like every time they, you know, release their catalog, like at Nam and stuff this past one, we were watching it and we were like, oh, what do they got? And we were all excited and 3D's like, nah, I'm going to stick with my vintage because for for my taste, the Kramer bass that they have currently looks very modern. Oh, I got you. And, uh, you know, we're in like here's a good example. I mean, in my mind, you see, eighties, eighties is car. Yeah, you want something that looks like it came from the eighties. The, the Randy Rhodes polka dot, you know, eighties. Yeah. yeah. So, and I, Vivian Campbell, I think, was uh, the. Is that the, the dude that played that? But it oh. doesn't matter because now it's Jason V. So whoever Vivian Campbell is, sorry. Uh, Shout out but, to Vivian. Yeah. 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 But, you know, so I, I think they do make a bass. I think right now they're just focused on guitars. And they're, every, 
you know, like this year's Kramer models are even like more fucking crazy 80s. They got that Snake Sabio guitar. It's got the airbrush snake all over it from Skid Row. Ooh. They just did a Tracy Guns guitar that's got like flames on it and shit. So they're bringing it back. And uh, I think sooner or later, they're going to have to bring back a, a, a like a vintage bass. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, like, I like the uh, the 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 hockey hockey stick neck or uh, headstock. What is that? Is that the right term? What is it? Yeah. Yeah. The banana, the banana headstock. That's, that's what drew me originally. Like with the Kramer 84, it's got the giant like banana headstock. And then they just did like a Kramer vintage. It has the same hockey stick banana, but it's like, it's a little bit angled and it's a little smaller. And I thought, yeah, no problem. I'll get that. It'll be fine. It's not fine. The neck, the headstock has to be big. So I like it, but that big headstock is where to, where I, where it's at. So, you know, it's got that big headstock energy. That's what you need. B H E. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel that. Uh, so you got, uh, when did blood in the streets come out? Was that right before the pandemic or was um, that, was that the tour that you guys were going to do during the pandemic? Yeah, well, kind of. So, like, Blood in the Streets came out, and um, because at that time especially, and uh, we, from the beginning to, like, right after Blood in the Streets came out, we had zero label support. You know, we didn't work with labels. We didn't do – it was all in-house. So we made the record. So, you know, there's a little – little fucking money off the pile, a good bit of money for that one. Uh, up until then, it wasn't, you know, we didn't spend a lot, but we, we tried on that one. And then we pressed it up on CD and we are like, we're going to, you know, we we pressed like 2,000 CDs because we're like, we're fucking go everywhere. Yeah. But we didn't have the money to put out vinyl it's until expensive. we sold yeah. enough CDs. So we, we, put that, we put out the CD, we went on tour. As soon as we got back from tour, we had enough money to put out the vinyl and we got that process started. And then by the time we were ready to go on our tour again with the vinyl, yeah. that show, the first show where we had our vinyl, um, you know, with us, it was shut down pandemic. And now we're at the place now where we have about like 25 LPs left. So when we go back, we still won't have the vinyl. <laughs> so it sucks. Cause I like, you know, you want to go out on tour and, you know, have fucking, stuff. Yeah. Deliver that in person and sign the record, but it didn't work out that way. But you know, maybe we'll get a repress here soon or something. Man, well, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's there could be worse problems of uh, you know, if you you could have like a you know a a pallet full of vinyl, that'd be a bigger <laughs> problem. You know what I'm saying? That you're right. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be rough and. Uh, yeah, I mean that's it's cool. It's definitely cool. It was like it's it's just a strange time when, you know, um, it's 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 reminded me that the digital age has not fully taken over because people in punk rock and metal still buy records. I'm not, you know, I still buy records, right. and I think people in our genre that listen to your band, my band, they still want to hold a copy of that record. So even though we weren't seeing people in person. They still, you know, they were still supporting. And I mean, honestly, um, I think, you know, in other genres um, where the the people that listen to the music are not as uh, diehard. Right. I think a lot of bands are going to die because of this pandemic, whereas punk rock bands, metal bands, people with crazy like obsessive collector fan bases are going to be all right because people know the, our support you know, from the merch store never, ever dropped off. And that's right. what kept us going, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, cause j- just from the outsider perspective on y'all, uh, it seems like people are always down to buy y'all's merch. Like, I don't know, just from like dummy room people, dummy room, uh, for people who don't know what dummy room is, it's another podcast, like pop punk podcast. Um, and, uh, stuff like that where you guys can be like, Hey, we've got, this new shirt exclusive and people are going to buy it up. Yeah. And you know what? Like, uh, those dudes, I can't, I always say it like those, there's like, it's almost like in every state we go to on tour, we meet like, you know, 
four or five people like that that are like diehard supporters and those dudes have no idea and girls dudes are everybody to me um yeah they have no idea how much they keep bands going and i mean like i'm that guy for other bands myself you know like there are bands uh there's one band in particular that i buy every everything every variant and so i get that too and I also realize, like, without those people, that there are a lot of people in the dummy room. There are a lot of people, you know, just like Jason's people that they know, like, when they buy something, they know that they're supporting it. And they feel like, yo, like, we want to help the Jasons, you know, make another record or whatever. So, um, it's yeah, it's those people that have kept, I think, bands alive during during the whole thing, you know, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's a it's it's a weird uh, uh, weird might be a bad word, but uh, it's a cool thing uh, playing in other like you're saying other states and connecting with people that you wouldn't connect with otherwise, and then they're like, oh, and they might tell their friends, and their other friends might be like, oh, well this, and then you see you know being on the the band side of it, being like. Uh, Oh, I see where this person bought this thing and this person commented on this thing and then tracing it back. Cause I know I do that when I see somebody I don't know posting about us or buying something, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh yeah. And I like, I run the, the merch, you know, like I ship it out, I package it all myself. And like, um, I recognize it's like, man, I've seen this person's name, like, five six seven eight times right. you know and uh it's cool because every once in a while you'll be on tour and someone will be like yo i bought this and i'll be like yo what's your name and then i'll like connect it you know so yeah. um it, that's that's one of the, the i guess the benefits of getting to be the person that runs the merch is like i have a connection to so many people because like i've seen their name you know over and over in our merch store that i'm like yo that's the dude that fucking you know, bought a hundred dollars worth of merch that time when we were trying to print up a record or whatever, you know, like that's, that's a huge deal. You know, I don't, I I really think the key to having, uh, I guess it depends on what you think is success. But for me, the key to having a, a, like longevity is not having a ton of people that casually like your stuff. It's having a small diehard fucking crazy about your stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, um, we've been lucky enough to have some some uh, people who buy everything and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's 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 a weird weird world, you know, that we live in. Going through, going playing shows. I'm not trying to get too deep, but playing shows, you know, fucking ten hours away from where you live and being like, please like us, you know. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, somebody does like you and they, they're super into it. Um, yeah. And well, and then, you know, you meet, uh, inevitably too, it's the same way. Like you meet bands, you guys were one of those bands where it was like, we showed up at your house, uh, at at one of your houses at like 4am and slept on your floor. And like, you know, um, that's a whole part of that thing too, you know, because like, I mean, we we are, and I I'm sure like most punk bands are that way. Where like you you try to save money where you can, no matter how good you did at the door, no matter right. how because it all it all goes back in. So like we would rather sleep at the homeless shelter than buy a hotel. We are that band, you know. Right. But um, so and a lot of times other bands they get it and they'll you know offer their homes and stuff. Like I, it's you know, that's it's part of that cycle of support. Right. I'm never I've never been a proponent of like support the scene. I'm not about support the scene because I think the scene be encompasses a lot of stuff that reminds me of high school. But I say support bands that you think are good. Yes. Support uh, other bands when, you know, I'm not I'm not about throwing support for stuff I don't like because that's inauthentic. But. You know, I I certainly any band that comes through this town, regardless of what what kind of music they play, or if I like it, if they need a place to stay, they're gonna fucking stay. You right. know, they can, obviously, obviously. Um, but 
you know that's the huge part of it it really is right 100 percent. the um there uh, there's a funny thing that i thought of as you were saying that uh so we stayed at your house in the basement uh after we i forgot the name of the town but we played in west virginia at like cheesy's fun house or what is what's it called uh um i'm trying to remember cheddars no i know you may have played at one two three pleasant street no no no. we played we played with y'all in another town in west virginia hmm that's Uh, a good question I'm, I, sometimes I'm bad with remembering the names of venues. I'm but it, it was like a something fun place. It seemed like a uh, like a Chuck E. Cheese, but without the animatronics. Oh man, that's with all the good stuff removed from Chuck E. Cheese, in my opinion. Man, exactly. I love a good animatronic. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I we all oh, we played at Munchies. Munchies, yeah. I was like Cheesies. Something, yeah, munchies. Yeah, but so munchies we, is gone now. Munchies is uh, R.I.P. Jeez, R.I.P. Yeah, <laughs> man, that that makes you think, you know. It wasn't COVID though. It was it just happened before COVID. You know. Yeah. I I still that place always baffled me because sometimes we would drive down there, and Munchies was one of those spots where like they're gonna pay you your guarantee, no matter if nobody comes or whatever. And they always did. And a lot of times it was empty. And I was like, number one, why do they keep bringing us back here to the middle of nowhere? Number two, where's the money coming from? And they always feed you and they give you a fucking green room. You know, you were there. It was yeah. like, it was a strange place. Buckets but, uh, of beer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They were so welcoming. So I don't know where the fucking money was coming from. Maybe it was the fucking mafia or something. But I don't know. But I, I don't remember- mind a little blood money, you know. <laughs> I remember they had uh, uh, Chris Jericho's band Fozzy. They had an an eight by ten with signed. So I guess Fozzy had played at, uh, at at Munchies. You know that that uh, I I wish I kind of wish I would have known that was happening because I would have tried to either get on the show or go see it. You know. <laughs> but uh, I uh, to go to go back to staying at bands' houses. Uh, so we stayed at your house after that show. We got there, I don't know, whenever, the morning, four in the morning, three in the morning. And uh, we stayed in the basement. And I didn't real uh, maybe in my just like delirium of like going to sleep, I didn't realize that there was an arcade cabinet down there of uh, uh, Judge Dredd. And so I remember being woken up by a, a Judge Dredd uh, a sound. <laughs> so, so actually... That was, and the reason it was in the basement is because I, I have to say I'm ashamed. It wasn't actually Judge Dredd. It was a RoboCop uh, arcade cabinet. And in my Shit. world, RoboCop is a fake Judge Dredd, but I still like RoboCop. Now, since you guys were here last, I sold that cabinet and bought a Judge Dredd cabinet. So all is right with the world now. Damn it. Maybe, uh, fuck, what's wrong with me? Maybe my delirium, I was like... There's, I see other Judge Dredd stuff around. Maybe it's exactly. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we were sur- you were surrounded by Dredd in that basement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Judge Dredd, what what hits you about Judge Dredd that? Um, you know when I was um, so later on it was different, but early, you know, when I was a teenager, I was a little fucking thrasher. You know, I right. had the bullet belt and. Uh, my favorite band was Anthrax because uh, Anthrax were very different from other bands. They didn't just sing about Satan. Well, you know, Satan's cool, but I wanted to hear people singing about fucking Stephen King novels and this and that. And right. Anthrax had a song called I Am The Law about Judge Dredd. And I always wondered, like, what is that? Like, I need to find it. But Judge Dredd's a British comic, and we live in the United States. And the only thing I could find was that Stallone movie, that's terrible. And uh, so many years later, I tracked down Judge Dredd and I discovered uh, one of the best science fiction, political, uh, societal satires in all of comic book history. Uh, really? A comic that's been going since the 70s and has never rebooted, that's gritty and violent and absurd. And, you know, it influenced the Jasons for sure. I mean, our uh, fucking, our logo is uh, mm-hmm. a Justice Department eagle 
just modified a little bit. It right. influenced uh, a lot. It really has influenced a lot of my, like, just my humor uh, that I put into the songs and stuff is very influenced by 2000 AD. So for me, Judge Dredd is like, it's not a superhero comic. It's a, uh, it's a very like dark, like it's almost an Oracle back in 2011. Um, very poignant to what we're talking to, what we're living right now. Back in 2011, judge dread, uh, the universe had an event called, uh, uh, day of chaos. And during day of chaos, a, a bug, a, a, a virus, uh, hit the entire population and wiped out a ton of them. And there were riots in the streets and police violence and police officers driving through crowds of people and people, you know, and it was just like, you know, the mega city is surrounded by this big border wall. And you just look at this and you're like, these guys were like oracles of the future. You know, they right. saw kind of like where things were going. And uh, I just always found that real interesting, you know, and it, it's, it's the most punk rock comic on the planet. You know? Right. But Damn. I could, I, I mean, obviously I'm biased. It's my, it's, it's the only comic book I fucking read, but, uh, <laughs> Well, damn, I didn't, I didn't realize, uh, cause my only, um, you know, I, I guess I, I had known it was a comic book, but, or, a, a whatever, a, uh, graphic novel, but, uh, my only, um, exposure to it before was the Stallone movie, which I was like, this, I mean, as a kid, I was like, this is pretty cool. You know, I'm the law, you know, all, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, you meet uh, or you you see that one and you wonder why, like, yeah, same deal. You know, as a kid, you're like, all right, it's, you know, it's whatever. But you do wonder, like, I know I did, like, why did Anthrax write a song about that movie? Like, but then you realize that that was a really, like, the creators of Judge Dredd have renounced everything about that movie. He takes his helmet off. He falls in love with a girl. Like, in the world of Mega City, judges are celibate. And uh, to the degree that if a judge goes to jail, like if they're found to be like a uh, trait, like if they go, there's a judge, a, a prison planet for judges that went bad, they get their dicks cut off. Like in that series. So, so judge dread is really, he's also a villain. I mean, that's the thing that people don't realize in the Stallone movie, he was portrayed as a hero, but right. in, in judge dread, he is the guy you don't want to be, you know, he is, he is the the arm of the fascist dictatorship and watching sort of watching the characters react to that um spoiler alert like recently in judge dread he was told by the originator of the judge system that it wasn't supposed to be forever like this is we're monsters we've created something horrible that has to change he doesn't know how to do that he's the only one that knows and so it's there's all kinds of moral weirdness in dread that makes it good. But people mistake dread as like a, a hero, but he's right. the example of what happens if things go way, way too far out of control. Wow. So and I feel like I feel like the punk scene is full of a bunch of judge dreads. That's why like, when we uh, when we uh, started singing about the scene police, who right. are the people that tell you what you should and should not do in punk rock. Right. Um, we are we are taking the part of the scene police, obviously, but uh, it's it's a little bit more of a Judge Dredd sort of thing where we're like, who makes the fucking rules? You know what I'm saying? Like, who right. makes the fucking rules? Right. Uh, well, they uh, yeah, I think you know a big thing right now is um, people of uh, what do they call it uh, virtue signaling. I think that's a big thing where it's um, uh, trying to make they get off by saying you are doing wrong. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. I'm not. You know, I'm not. Sure. I don't want to get political. You know, we're talking about Judge Dredd. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I I think uh, I think that we live in a society of paranoia for one. Yes. Because, uh, and I think what people are doing. And I honestly don't think there's malice behind a lot of it. I think there's fear behind a lot of it, which is you people Ooh. feel like if they can point out somebody else's Ooh. wrongdoing, that that exonerates them from their Ooh. own. Damn. 
And uh, the motherfuckers that I know are doing are not doing terrible things are the people that aren't trying to join the witch hunt. You know what I mean? Like, good example, we just put out a fucking music video called Kill a Kami for Mommy. It, uh, we did a split with a band called the Black Russians. Right. So they wrote a song about destroying the Jasons in the USA without without a fucking thought. Fucking kill a commie for mommy. That's an old Cold War saying that was right. on Johnny Ramone's T-shirt, blah, 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 blah. In our video, we had Jason's mother's head that we've been carrying with us for seven years. We posted our video and some guy was claiming that that was Bernie Sanders' head and that we were cutting off the head of communism and we were alt-right and this and that. And I, Jason 3D, um, we, we were both on there sort of setting the dude straight because when you throw the fucking truth at people, I sometimes they don't want to listen, but we right. were on there and Jason 3D said something that like, it was the best response. He just said, no matter how much you want it to be Bernie Sanders' head, it will never be that. No matter how much you want it to be something more than a fucking Rocky Four parody with Jason's mother's head, it'll never be that. So quit. And we, you know, when we presented this dude with the evidence, I have to say it gave me faith in humanity because this guy said, okay, I understand now. Like, I'm sorry. It's a sensitive time. And he apologized. And oh, wow. I was ready to fucking fight till the death. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, as much as like, as much as we, I like to irritate people and um, but, I like to push people's buttons. I, that was not a button I had intended to push. So I was like, nah, now I just feel like you're misunderstanding the point. Right. Uh, but yeah, I was surprised because this guy went from calling us uh, fucking whatever, alt-right or whatever. He went from that to apologizing. And I just felt like that was very rare in the world of uh, the true. internet today. I mean... Yeah, uh, people are very quick to make very uh, strong statements, but when they are presented with uh, uh, the art, the counter argument, they don't want to be like, "Oh, well, I didn't see it that way." You know what I'm right. saying? Um, yeah. And one but thing we can't, we can't change. I think it would be, you know. There, there were people when when that video came out when when we announced our split with the Black Russians, a fan of the J like a, a somebody who likes the Jasons messaged me and he said, "Hey V, I know I understand it, but re releasing a record where you're promoting it by saying we're going to destroy the Black Russians might not be a good look in these times." And I said, "Dude, if I considered that every time I wrote a lyric or or came up with something like." Like I'd be losing the fight. I might as well hang it up because you're not. You don't want to fucking change your shit because some dickhead might not understand it. Right. You know, punk rock isn't supposed to be safe. Art's not supposed to be safe. Like, you know, I, you you can't like foolproof your artistic vision to make to make it okay. So to make it so every dummy understands it, you just don't. You know. Right. Well, uh, another thing about y'all, I don't. I don't feel like there's malice behind the stuff y'all do. You know what I'm saying? I don't feel like you guys are like, cause a lot of people, uh, a lot of people are trolls right now. Um, and I don't, I don't feel like there's any of that with y'all. And if like, like what you're just saying, uh, people being like, Hey man, you know, this, this might not look good. I feel like that's, they think that there's like, troll intent but i don't i don't think that's a thing with y'all uh yeah you're not really i mean i think i i think that people um to me a troll is somebody that goes after like low-hanging fruit you know yeah. like to me if i had made a video and cut off bernie sanders head that's a troll move because right. i'm trying to get that reaction, but um, no, I think we get called trolls because we're not trying to be friends with everybody um, because we're not tiptoeing around the stuff that like we do, you know, if, if the Jasons had a beef or a problem or an ax to grind, it would not be, we wouldn't be grinding that ax in secret. We would put it right out there. Like we have with 
fucking Kickstarter bands and pay to play and, right. you know, scene politics. Like that's the stuff like there's no need to like hide that stuff. Right. Yeah. And uh, so, no, I, I think, you know, uh, even when we put like a naked midget on our album cover, that really wasn't a troll. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't to offend people, because let's be honest, we live in a world where every 40 year old mommy has uh, a black craft cult T-shirt and a pentagram uh, pentagram yeah. necklace like there's no edgy anymore. You know what right. I mean? Like what what the fuck is edgy anymore? No, you know, it's not the 80s anymore. I wish it was. <laughs> I really wish it was because tits on an album cover would blow people's Go minds. Crazy! You guys got you guys got the the uh, guitars for it. Yeah, you got, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know that we're like we. I like to push buttons in right. a different way than a troll way. I that's you know, what I'm, that that's what I was saying. I wasn't calling you guys trolls. I was being like, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's like, you know, there's a there. I think there's a fine line between just looking for attention and putting on like a, a a good fucking satirical humorous show. And a lot of people think good example. I mean, right now you're talking to about, you know, 50% of a fake person, but which 50% are you talking to and which are you not? We'll never tell you, you know what I mean? You'll never know. I don't know. Um, and I like that. I like that people don't know when I'm serious and when I'm not, because I mean, you shouldn't have to ex- fucking explain everything. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's no, there's no fun in that. And yeah. uh, I mean, everything. although, although you've seen you, although you've hung out with me uh, at my house and stayed in my basement. So I, you, you probably know the secret of the fucking, I mean, I, know. I do. I'm not going to tell anybody, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. So where's the, where's the fun in, uh, in 100% transparency. That's that's it's not fun. Uh, <laughs> I did have a question of um, you guys played the the gathering of the juggalos. Can can you run me through that experience? Yeah. Um. So we. Um. I. I mean, for, as far as I'm concerned, the the insane clown posse are not. You know, they're not far from being in the wheelhouse of someone like Kiss or Jason. They right. built an empire based on their gimmick, and I respect them for that. And um, we saw that they were accepting bands, and we were laughing and said, ha, 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 let's just go ahead and submit it. Why the fuck not? You know. And then they called us, and um, it was like, holy fuck, okay, well, yeah, because we – we're definitely never going to turn down an opportunity to, to play in front of potentially like thousands and thousands of people. Um, so we went, we camped out, um, like, or we, uh, we went, we, we set up our merch. We stayed all of the days. I lived as a juggalo for four days. I only, I'm not kidding. How I many Fagos did you drink? That was it. That was all I drank. <laughs> I was uh, by the end of it. I was communicating in their languages. Like you walk in that, I was walking. I kept my leather jacket, my mask on the whole time. I mean, literally, if I was outside of the fucking van, Jason V was outside of the van. And if, you know, walking by my juggalo brothers, whoop, whoop, motherfucker, what's up? <laughs> I don't even, and this is like, you know, and I'll tell you what, man, it was, uh, it was scary at times. It was, How so? uh, it was, uh, because there is, I mean, there is definitely when you get that many people together, and there was it's powder free, keg. There yeah. were there yeah. were no police. Police were not allowed on the property. Um, <laughs> there were uh, there were free drugs for everybody, and people just looking to destroy shit. Now, the only time I felt like I might be in danger myself was one night I put on my full scene police getup. I had white gloves on. Ooh. I had my police hat on, my mask. I had a bully club, and I was just walking around on patrol. And I kept seeing it was freaking people the fuck out because they're using whatever they're using. Whatever, yeah. And yeah. they're just like, "Whoa, you scared the fuck out of me!" You know. 
And uh, I thought I'm probably going to get attacked here, but I had to go on patrol that night. So I went on patrol that night, but I don't know, man, it was cool. Uh, my, my only, uh, the thing that, that, that made me sad is on the way down, we listened to violent Jay's book. And if you're in a band and this goes for anybody listening, if you want to hear a fucking, a masterpiece of a book about how to start a band, how to promote a band. The most interesting autobiography we have ever heard is Violent J's fucking Behind the Paint book. And uh, there's a story in there called The Road where they found a weird monastery and almost got shot and killed by some crazy people at this monastery. Long story short, I wanted to talk to Violent J's brother, Jump Steady, and hear that... (laughs) from his lips but he's one of the he's like in charge of shit oh okay so so busy i never got to talk to him um it was great though man we fucking chaos we opened up for krs1 essentially we played right before krs1 jesus now it was like you know so that's how i put i will always say we opened for krs we played we played and then KRS played, but in my world, we fucking opened for KRS one. So, you know, whatever. Um, was it on a different stage? Fuck yeah, it was, but we still open for KRS one. God damn it. Hell yeah, dude. Fucking, uh, you know, uh, rap royalty, the Jasons. I guess so. And, uh, we would go back every year, every single fucking year. But when I was done with the gathering, I was glad to be leaving because, it was exhausting. It was fucking exhausting. Where what, is it in? Where is it? Ohio? Where is it? Um, I I don't know where it's going to be coming up because at the end of the and we stayed to the end because we wanted to see it. Um, right. Not, the night before we played, the night before it ended, and I saw this security guard sitting like this, <laughs> like done. <laughs> yeah, and I said, "Hey, man, you just got one more day left," and he goes it's going to get bad tomorrow. And I said, yeah. And he said, yeah, they're going to riot tomorrow and I got to be here. And he was right, man. It was a full scale riot. I don't know how they produced a couch and threw it into a bonfire in the middle of a campground, but they did. And uh, so I think, I don't think it's going to be in the same place because I think shit gets so crazy that they got to move around, you know, but honestly though, like the first thing I heard a juggalo say when I got there, there was a big truck full of people going into the camp and there was this big, big, heavy dude, two, 300 or sorry, three or 400 pound man sitting on the back of this Jeep. And somebody goes, Oh man, I'll get the next one. There's no room for me. And this big dude goes, no, nah, come on, man, your family. There's always room for you here at the gathering. And I was like, you know what? These motherfuckers will accept anybody. So we're going to be all right. Damn. So it was crazy. Wow. There was a community fleshlight at the gathering. <laughs> I have I have a photo. I'll have to send it to you. <laughs> Please. Was it a uh, was it a uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Mike from uh, from Monsters Inc. Uh, commemorative <laughs> fleshlight. I don't know. Mike Waskowski. There was a, a wooden stake. And a and it went up and it the fleshlight was chained to it and there was a big sign with a hatchet man and it said community fleshlight and I thought, damn they got everything here you know. Damn, what else do you need? Yeah, you get inside the grounds and you, you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so are you a big wrestling fan? Uh, you know, when I was uh, eight years old, I uh I became a fan of wrestling because it was what fucking Hulkamania, right? So. Right. Um, I was a big fan of, uh, of Hulk Hogan when I was a little kid, right. then I kind of grew out of it, you know? Um, so I, I would say I do, I enjoy wrestling if it's, yes, I do enjoy wrestling. If it is WrestleMania five, there we go. <laughs> Man, I'm, I, I should have asked you this before we started this interview. Yeah, because we wouldn't have done this interview. I'm just joking. No. Uh, uh, well, oh, you not a? Are you not a Hulkamaniac? No, I'm just a wrestling fan. I'm a oh, huge okay. wrestling fan. Uh, I got you. Um, no, my thing was uh, so Kiss 
and you guys in professional wrestling, um, all that intertwines for me. Like, um, all three are very big into merch. All three are very big into uh, the uh, the 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 stage. Um, I don't know uh, craziness of it all. Uh, so that that's what I was gonna see if uh, you know I asked Michael J. Wolf, who 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 we both know. Uh, I was asking him if he was big into to wrestling with the uh, you know the pageantry of of the bands. Oh, absolutely, and and I will tell you this. So, having stopped, um, having stopped listen uh, listening to or watching wrestling in the Hulkamania days, um, I never stopped being interested in that element, the creation, the pageantry. So, even when I wasn't watching, um. I discovered my very first wrestling podcast and that turned into me discovering other wrestling podcasts. So even without watching, right? Right. I still listen to so many wrestling podcasts because the creation and the personalities and that stuff is interesting to me. So like all the fucking Conrad Thompson shit, Mm. I listen to all that shit, but it's, it's that like, understanding of how people the business of wrestling being such a protected business and how to create a character so i definitely relate to it on that level 100 percent um but i'm a i like a character right what what wrestling became to me for so long was dudes trying to be mma guys you know I miss Kamala the Ugandan giant and shit like that, you know. Right. That yeah, was yeah. cool stuff. Yeah, the uh, the attitude era, the 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 late nineties became like all the characters are real. You know what I'm saying? Like Stone Cold Steve Austin was like himself, like amplified. Yeah. Type of thing. Um so um have the Jasons ever been asked to do any wrestling type stuff? Yeah. Um, we did, um, there's a, a, a wrestling promotion called RSW real shoot wrestling. And, uh, we did, um, we played one of their shows, which was fucking cool. Um, and that's as we played their shows, uh, I've become friends with some of those guys and yeah. re- we realize that the business of wrestling and being in a band is the same thing. Yeah. You go from town to town. It's punk rock. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely, you deal with promoters, you deal with your gimmick table. Um, so yeah, we played and, uh, we got involved a little bit, you know, we, we've been involved in a couple matches where we, uh, we, you know, we had it, we came out with the dude and, we were his like backup and he lost the match. And so we had to fucking tell him he was a poser in front of everybody and stuff. But, um, for us, like, I think we definitely identify with that, with that side of it, the pageantry, the business, like, and it's the same thing. Like if I see a band and they don't look cool, I'm like, that band sucks. And it's the same thing with wrestling. You see a dude that doesn't have like, doesn't have his shit together you're like ah fuck that guy but then demolition walks out in leather and face paint fucking take notice when we played with you guys you guys had your fucking jerseys on and i was like these guys fucking get it they know they gotta have something coming out there that makes people take notice you know oh yeah yeah um yeah it's 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 all gimmicks life is a gimmick you know what i'm saying um I think the 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 sooner uh, bands realize that, you know, the sooner people are going to take notice. There's a there's a term in wrestling that I've heard listening to these fucking podcasts called "working yourself into a shoot." You heard that before, oh, yeah. I'm sure. And uh, I think that's that's when people start to lose it. Is when you know when they work themselves into a shoot when they believe their own hype. And they start to get, uh, 
they start to get lazy. Oh, I am the greatest. I don't have to do anything. Like, I think you always gotta, you always gotta make sure that you don't buy into your own hype too much. Um, believe in yourself is one thing, but working yourself into a shoot is letting yourself believe that, you know, like, so when it comes to wrestling, right? Like, um, part of wrestling and part of that pageantry is coming out being a bit larger than life. Right. You need to do that for your performance element. But if you try to do that on a daily basis, you end up like Sid Vicious. You end up dead. You know, yeah. um, Johnny Rotten once said that only the fake survive. And I think that's a good, Damn. a good point when it comes to rock and roll, you it's know, true. Uh, you, you can't, you can't live the gimmick all day, every day. You drive yourself crazy. It's true, man. Uh, holy moly. Yeah. Uh, we're closing in on a, an hour here. Um, uh, so kiss is very big. Um, and that's a, a big thing, you know, I, I from uh, 3d is big in a kiss. I don't know if you're as, are you as big in the kiss as 3d is? Yeah. Um, my first record that I ever owned was a kiss record and it changed my whole life. Um, it, uh, it's the reason that I knew I had to be in a band that had an image. Right. It, uh, is everything. Like if it was, if there was no kiss, um, in my life, I wouldn't be in a band right now. I wouldn't be doing anything. And when I met 3d, it was weird because he's younger than me and he had the same kind of um, the same kind of love for Kiss that I had, you know, at a different time in my life. When I was younger, I saw Kiss on the reunion tour. I was really young. I saw him on the reunion tour, and ninety six or something. Yeah, Kiss. yeah. Um, or it was uh, it was yeah ninety six. You're right. Yeah. yeah. And um, so when I met him, he was huge into Kiss more than I was at that time because I had kind of fallen off and right. You know, I I delved. In, I still listened to him, but I was you know listening to a lot more punk rock and the Ramones. And he had never heard the Ramones when we met, and so I introduced him to the Ramones, and he reintroduced me to Kiss, and we kind of stoked each other's fucking fires for both bands, and that's how we kind of took this direction that we've taken. You know, so to me, like Kiss is the most my the day that I got Kiss Killers and Kiss Crazy Nights on vinyl or I'm sorry, on cassette when I was eight years old was the most important moment in my musical journey. And, and it changed everything. Right. 100%. Wow. Yeah. I love it. What yeah. was yours? What was your, what was the band that did that for you? The, 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 the band that, uh, did what, uh, stoked. Like, like, would there be like a single band that started you wanting to do what you do? Oh goodness. Um, Tell you what, uh, Ramones are up there for sure. Um, but uh, we don't even sound like them. But AFI was a big, huge inspiration for me as a uh, teenager because, like, Sing the Sorrow in like 2003, yeah. that was I was fucking I was 13 when that came out. And so I was just like, what the fuck is this? You know, uh, it certainly lives sing the sorrow and AFI in general live in a place in between musical genres that is hard to pinpoint. Right. Um, I love that that band has so many eras, like I'm a straight edge. And so there's a whole short time in AFI where like, they were a straight edge band and then they became the best horror punk band. And then yeah. they became something a little bit more progressive. Right. Like I respect a band that can evolve so much. I really, I like that about AFI myself. Plus that dude, fucking Davey Havoc's voice is fucking incredible. Yeah. Go all over the place, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't, yeah. Those, those bands like, you know, uh, and, Later on, it's weird. I've I've grown to like Kiss more and like understand stuff about Kiss. And even like whenever we were setting this 
this is uh, this talk up. I was just sending you like because like, I was watching a Kiss live. I was I was sending yeah. you stuff about uh, Kiss uh, in 1988 playing yeah. some show fucking in Germany or whatever. And I was like, hey, when are you going to play this shitty guitar that Paul Stanley's playing? <laughs> Probably soon. Yeah, dude. You know the thing is like when I discovered Kiss, they had already taken the makeup off, and uh, so. I got a record of them that had them on it with the makeup and without. And it was like, even when they didn't have it on after having seen that, they still carried that. Like I told somebody one time when I was a little kid, I loved fucking heavy metal, what they would call hair metal now, I suppose. But I loved like Motley Crue and all that stuff. And as a really young kid, I would have these fantasies that I was going to hang out with Motley Crue and we were going to, whatever you know like we were gonna do cool motley crew shit i was a little kid but i never had a fantasy about hanging out with kiss because that would be like hanging out with fucking superman or jesus like they were so far above in what they presented themselves at right that my mind couldn't even formulate what it would be like to hang out with kiss like and even to this day i went and saw kiss on their most recent reunion tour there's probably some lip syncing. Tall Stanley's voice sounds very rough. They're like seventy. I know what you can... yeah. yeah, and I was I was looking up at Paul Stanley singing uh, "I Was Made for Loving You," and I was le- and this sounds crazy, but I remember thinking like that gods do exist. I mean, it, it's just true. Like, I I mean, it, it sounds fucking cheesy, but it's like they've created something so much bigger than most bands and they did it first and foremost with their image. Right. So damn. You know, do I think Paul Stanley's the greatest singer ever? No. Do I think they're the greatest songwriters ever? No, but the total package is their fucking gods. It's perfection to me, right. you know, I don't know. I don't know. Tears are falling. That's a good song. Yeah, I love '80s Kiss. That's my favorite shit. Yeah, no, uh, uh, you know, um, would there ever be a time where there's a Jason's unmasked? No, definitely not for us. Um, I, I think it's a little bit easier with a band like Kiss because, you know, even with the makeup on, you can still see that's their face. But if I put on, Ooh, that's a true hockey mask you know and you know i love kiss without the makeup 100 percent. but i think we are in the kind of on that realm of a band that's a little bit more like war like even though we don't have the these theatrics as much i mean essentially we're just a punk band wearing masks we really don't have like a crazy we're not a crazy but you know odorous urungus and dave brocky are two totally different right in you know and i don't think uh i wouldn't want to see a jason's without the masks you know so uh i i don't think we would ever ever do it and um when i talked to uh no i was gonna say because i had spoken with uh, michael j wolf too i, I right. fucking love that guy by the oh, way yeah. but when i talked to phil mccracken from the mccrackens um he, I asked him if they had ever played without the the makeup, and he said one time, and it was like, I could see it that it was this huge regret that they had sort of convinced themselves that they didn't want it anymore, right. and he was like, we'll never do it again. And so, like, I try to take wisdom from dudes like that who have yeah. made that decision and not. Yeah, when Kiss took off their makeup, they were successful. So. You know, they, but what does it tell you that they went back to it finally? That's I true. mean, at this You're point, right. they're back in it. And so. they're still playing the uh, the unmasked songs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, the my favorite my favorite live Kiss record is it's a it's a fan made record called Alive Three. It's not the actual Alive Three, but it's from the I think it's either from the Lick It Up or the Animalized tour. Mm. And they didn't play any of the 70s stuff. And I like that because you can see a Kiss that like had confidence in their new songs. Right. And I, unfortunately, the new the Kiss that's playing today, they don't really have that desire to make new music. And so yeah. it's a shame. I, I love the band, but I want a band that keeps making music. You know, that's true. 
you know, do we want fucking Davey Havoc to go back and start singing songs from those from from fucking very proud of you? No, we want progression, you know. Yeah, you're right. Damn. So, mm. Well, um, yeah, man. Uh, I, I, we, I think we've gone long enough. Um, do you have uh, closing words of wisdom or, or anything you want to get off your chest? Oh my God. Um, I would say I will do self promotion since, uh, Jason 3d is not here and he normally does that. Um, right now, uh, the Jason's are working with mom's basement records. And I do have to say as much as we, uh, had not worked with any record labels up until the pandemic without mom's basement records, we wouldn't have put out a fucking seven inch without pro rock records. We wouldn't have put out a 10 inch. So we found a collaborator in mom's basement that, uh, was like worthy of, they're not one of the shitty labels, but my whole thing, this is like, um, because of them, we can do more than just one record a year. So we've got a record coming out on mom's basement, another seven inch record coming out like this year. Right. It's called the Jarvis House Split. It's got two old songs that we re-recorded from Get Fucked, and it's got two brand new songs, uh, Jason V song and a Jason 3D song. And uh, so that's coming out. So keep an eye on Mom's Basement Records. And uh, yeah, that's all I got. That's that's our that's our next venture, you know. And oh, we yeah. got a seven inch coming out. So hell yeah. Um. Well, uh, Jason V, uh, you had options, but you decided to talk to me. Um, and I appreciate that. Uh, please stay on for a second, but, uh, but thank you. Yeah. Thank you for, for being you and talking to me.